0: A few years ago, my client and friend, Kevin, asked me for help. A CEO of an internationally recognized nonprofit, Kevin, had a rare cancer. And a rare opportunity. A clinical trial that could cure him. The trial came with enormous risk. And so he asked me to help him craft a succession plan. I was going to say that it turns out he didn't need it, but that's only kind of true. The clinical trial cured Kevin. It was like a miracle. And I, um, I get choked up just thinking about it. And in addition, he and his board now have a very specific and clear succession plan. Today I'm going to tell you about the lessons contained in that plan. Not just for Kevin and not just for his board, but for all of you. Greetings and welcome to Nonprofits or Messy. I'm your host, Joan Gary, founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, where we help smaller nonprofits to thrive. I'm also a strategic advisor for executive directors and boards of larger nonprofits. I'm a frequent keynote speaker, a blogger, and an author on all things leadership and management. You can learn more at joangary.com. I'm a woman with a mission, to fuel the leadership of the nonprofit sector. My goal with each episode is to dig deep into an issue I know that nonprofit leaders are grappling with by finding just the right person to offer you advice and insights. Today, it turns out that the right person is me. Over the last several years, I have been coaching folks who are thinking about moving on from their executive director roles. Some are long-tenured and ready to retire. One of them is probably on the golf course as we speak. Others are starting to think about their next adventure. There are lots of lessons to share, and I'm going to focus on the ones that feel like the biggest ah ahas to both the outgoing leader and to the boards. I'm also going to suggest a very practical step that you as an executive director can take to ensure that you leave well. So when I wrote this script, it turns out I had more than five lessons but I didn't have a full 10. So there are seven lessons here. We like round numbers. I just didn't think it was worth stretching to try to get there. So here are seven, but they're good ones, meaty ones. And I hope you find them as valuable as my clients have. So here's number one. The key to a great transition rests with the board of directors. You know, nobody ever seems to tell them that. Boards of organizations that have superior staff leaders figure the staff leader is going to take care of the transition too. But here's the big reveal. While there is lots an ED can do to set things up, the moment an ED makes the public announcement, bang! The ED has passed the leadership baton right to the board chair. The power shifts in that moment, and it never shifts back. Your ED becomes a lame duck, not because they stop making decisions or stop doing work, but because the board chair is now driving, leading the organization at the most vulnerable point in the trajectory of the lifespan of a nonprofit. This is really, really important. And I come back to it at the end, too. Number two, it all takes more time than you think it will. A number of years ago, I did a podcast with Rachel Gibson. She works for Markham, and her sweet spot is planning organizational transitions. And at that time, she said, you know, I like to get started about three years ahead. I thought that was a little excessive, truthfully. Then I asked her why. She said, there are just a lot of things to plan, a lot of things to get the organization ready for, lots of tentacles, fundraising, board development, making sure the right folks are on the bus, staff, and board, that there is a clear strategy that will appeal to a rock star candidate. Think about that one for a minute, my friends. Remember, your organization has to show up as an organization someone would feel like they had won the lottery to run so that you can get the greatest pool of the greatest people. Your organization has to be ready for that. Number three, it's what I call the real estate walkthrough. I want you as an executive director, two, three years out from what, you, what I actually start to call people's expiration dates. I want you to pretend that the next ED is going to be your dearest friend on earth. How do you want to leave the organization for that person? How would you feel if you left dust bunnies in the corner or dust bunnies on top of the dust bunnies? It's time for you to be really, really honest with yourself What needs to be fixed? Is it your CRM? Is there someone who needs to be managed out? And that if you don't, a new person will come in and need to make that kind of shift early on in their tenure? That just doesn't feel very fair, does it? You want them to be able to hit the ground running, not unearth like the mold behind the sheetrock. So... I find that when my clients start to think about their best friend taking their job, they approach this last several years of their tenure with a different kind of appetite to leave it in very, very good shape. All right? So, what have we got so far? One, the key to a great transition rests with the board. Number two, it all takes more time than you think. Number three is you got to do the real estate walkthrough. Or we can just call that one, your best friend is getting your job. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's number four, the bucket list. Another reason that you need to start thinking about leaving more than a year ahead, more than two years ahead, is because you need to think about what you want to accomplish before you leave. There's likely something you'd like to be able to accomplish, especially in terms of programs or impact, before you leave. The kind of thing you might want to draft in that exit press release. The one that goes out to the public the day you leave. I often actually ask my clients to write that press release. Imagine that there's a quote from you in that press release that says, I am especially proud that we were able to do X and focus on something programmatic during my tenure. Think bold and ambitious. If there is such a thing, and I bet there is, it turns that last, you know, that fourth quarter of the game into something you're going to have an appetite for. You might think to yourself, oh, managing out that person is going to be a heavy lift or, you know, there really is mold behind that sheetrock. I should really have that fixed. Those aren't exciting. They're not fueling activities. But focusing on a couple of accomplishments programmatically that you really want to be able to say you led during your tenure can really fuel you in the remaining years of your tenure. And by the way, they can also fuel your board that needs to be out there being an ambassador for all that has and will continue to be happening in your organization. All right. That's the bucket list. Let's move on to our next one. You ready? All right. Number five is a transition roadmap for your board. Now, remember how I said the power shifts to your board the moment you announce? That is true. But you have a lot of setup to do for them, right? The power will shift to them, but they are going to need an awful lot of guidance and direction. So it's what I call a roadmap. This is the document that I worked on most closely with Kevin, and it was very comprehensive. There were lots of components to the document. And I'm going to offer you some highlights. And if you're not driving or on an elliptical machine, you might want to just jot down a few of these. Or maybe listen to me again later. I want the outgoing executive director to write something what the organization needs in its next executive director. My firm belief is that the current executive director needs to step away from the search process because they can have undue influence. But my, oh my, does that board need that ED's perspective on the expertise, the profile, the attributes, the lived experience that are right for the organization at this new juncture. The second thing we asked Kevin to do was to take a look whether or not there were viable internal candidates. Who were they? Why? Why not? This was all written down in a confidential password-protected document. The next piece was who might be a viable interim executive director should the ED exit before the new leader is hired, right? How might the organization and the board approach that? Guidance from Kevin was very, very helpful. And then here's another one. Draft a job description. Now, I joke about this quite a lot, although it's really not very funny, that boards spend months, after they find out their ED is leaving, they spent months crafting that job description. They edit it up the wazoo and back down the wazoo. I further joke that they could just say Messiah wanted and call it a day but they waste so much time during a very important part of a transition focusing on the job description. It can be done, largely be done ahead, and you can use the executive director's draft as a starting point. It's also time for the board to explore what gap skills and experience they may have that will be valuable or vital for a transition or a search. So if you don't have an HR professional on your board, as one example, right, that might be something that you want to say, okay, over the next couple of years, that should be a priority skill that the Governance and Nominations Committee should take on. The succession plan that Kevin wrote, made some suggestions regarding the makeup of the search committee. Maybe a suggestion about who should chair it. I often think that someone other than the board chair should chair it. Sometimes you don't need board members on the search committee. Of course, you need board members on the search committee. But what if you don't have one of those skills you need? You could ask someone from outside the board to sit on the search committee. I have heard search committees that have asked other nonprofit executive directors to serve on search committees because none of the search committee members have ever been nonprofit executive directors, and that is a bit of a challenge when you're looking to hire one. The next item is number six, and we're going to come back to that after this break. We're going to talk about an ED work plan. And this is a really practical piece of advice for executive directors who are starting to say, in three years' time, I think I would like to be in a new job that looks like these things, or in three years' time, I think that's going to be a ch- chance for me to do some consulting and some writing, whatever it might be. But there's a work plan that needs to be created. And when we come back, we'll tackle that. The Nonprofit Leadership Lab is led by Joan Gary and is the world's best online community for leaders of small nonprofits. Learn how to raise more money, build the board of your dreams, grow a large audience of supporters and so much more. To learn more and request an invitation to become a member, please go to nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. That's nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. So let's review. We've gone through five of the steps, five lessons about succession planning. One, the key to a great transition rests with the board. The moment an ED announces a departure, the power moves from the ED to the board chair, and it never goes back. Number two, it all takes more time than you think. We should be talking about two or three years. Number three, the real estate walkthrough or your new best friend is taking your job. Number four is the programmatic bucket list. What do you want to be able to say in that exit press release about something that got accomplished that's going to make you feel great about the fourth quarter of your tenure? And number five is a transition roadmap for your board. This was the meat and potatoes of Kevin's succession plan so that the board actually has some really clear guidance about how to navigate this transition now that they have been handed the baton of power. So number six is one I've been working on with a couple of different clients of mine, Um, and it's one of sort of the newer tricks I have up my sleeve. It really helps outgoing executive directors look at the work with clarity and with personal accountability. So let's be honest. You know you're leaving. You could let things slide unless you write down the things you want to get done and create some kind of an accountability plan. So here's the practical piece of this I want you to think about the somewhere between five and 10 things you know you have to get done before you go. Make them reasonable, a bit ambitious, but not aspirational, right? So institutionalized funder relationships might be one of them. Maybe you are the primary holder of the biggest donor relationships. Board development, right, is identifying gap skills and being a part of adding prospects to the pipeline to ensure that by the time they're ready for a search, the right skills are at the table. Or that bucket list item that I talked about that would and could and should absolutely go on this work plan. So let's say you have six of them, because I, th- I like that number, right? More than five, less than 10. Clearly, there's a theme here, right? So, label them A through F. You could label them 1 through 6, too. I just happen to like A through F. Then it's time to create a Google Doc that you can edit as you go. What I did for one client is I created a table in a Google Doc, one table for each quarter between now and the day that my client is set to exit the organization. And in each quarter, I like quarters because months get too weedy, and quarters give you, okay, I got three months to do this set of things. And in every quarter, there should be activities against each of these goals. So there should be an A, Activity, a B activity, so on and so forth till you get to F, so that with every quarter you are making headway towards those six goals. If you do not do this, things will slide because you may be retiring, you might be kind of out of gas, or you might actually be looking for that next adventure. And that takes time and bandwidth too. And so having this kind of work plan keeps you focused on the things you really feel are important to get done before you leave. So again, in each of these quarters, you identify tasks, activities, and deadlines by which things need to be complete. Some things will move more quickly in one quarter than another. They don't necessarily move at an even pace. But when you have that all laid out, you can say, oh, well, that's got to happen a little sooner. So in this quarter, I've really got to focus more on B than I do on A. And A can slide a little bit because if I don't do B, I can't really do A. So you look at the interdependencies as you're creating these tables as well. And like I said, what I like about quarters, it's a high enough altitude for you to lead the organization towards the accomplishments, toward the accomplishment Of all six. And last and certainly not least, it gets its own lesson, a communications plan. So many lessons I have seen in exiting executive directors, what board search committees have said, what they haven't said. So let me offer a couple of things. Lots of organizations approach this piece way too nonchalantly. They forget That it is smart, effective, and regular communication that can make the difference between a smooth transition and a really, really bumpy one. Leadership transitions create anxiety and gaps in communication or any kind of mixed messages cause that anxiety to go through the roof. And by the way, silence... Well, everyone should know we're busy, you know, talking to search firms. No, actually, everyone doesn't know that. And the more they know, the less they fill that gap with their own narrative that is probably about them, that probably is skeptical about what's happening, right? So keep on filling it. Overcommunicate. Don't assume that the staff or your stakeholders know what's going on. This communications plan, you should not, as an executive director, create it alone, because I think you'll miss something. You need a trusted advisor. Now, it could be your board chair. And, you know, the timing of telling your board chair about this, we could debate that. But I think a couple of years out, if you have a trusted board chair, they will so appreciate that you are thinking about this with such intentionality, and they could be just the right thought partner. I actually started with my executive assistant, Eric Wilkes. We kind of nicknamed him Radar O'Reilly because he had the inside scoop about everything. He had really good EQ. He knew what people cared about, what they worried about, and how folks would react and the kinds of messages that would make the most sense. I don't know if I've ever told Eric just how valuable his thought partnership was during that time. And here are some of the good questions that you want to consider as you're building the plan. Who needs to hear directly from the executive director? Who can hear from a board member or the board chair? In what order should people be told? This should be choreographed almost to the minute. Someone who is very, very... Disciplined and rigorous, and almost sort of anally retentive to say, okay, first you call this person, and then if you get a voicemail, you're going to do this and you're going to move there, and then you're going to move over to your senior staff one on ones, right? It is like a choreographed dance. What are the core messages that are universal? How should those messages be tailored for different audiences? And what will stakeholders, staff, donor, volunteers, need to hear from the board and the search committee and how often. I can't tell you how many times I have heard boards say, we'll say something when we have something to say. There's always something to say. We're making really good progress. We've hired an excellent search firm. We just got a first batch of uh, resumes and we're going through them. It looks like We have some good ones, right? (laughs) Any of that stuff makes your staff say, okay, they're on it. I feel more confident. And that takes me actually right back to the beginning as we end this conversation about lessons, about transitions. It's so much about the board, right? The power moves from the executive director to the board as soon as the ED announces. And I've joked and said that I believe that great boards often make lousy hires and that lousy boards always make lousy hires. It's not easy to hire an executive director. It's not. The perfect unicorn is not going to always walk in the door. There are going to be things about that person that make you smile and give you goosebumps And there are things about that new person that are going to give you some cause for concern. But I am here to tell you that this kind of intentionality with these kinds of components exponentially increase the likelihood that the person that you hire will be set up to succeed. And that's really what we're going for here, right? That I did say that the board gets handed the power, but it is the executive director that will set the tone for those final several years, establish a set of goals, be held accountable to achieve them, and create a transition plan for the board that enables them to have some structure and format to what feels like a formidable task. And you know what? It is a formidable task. The staff leader for an organization you care deeply about making that choice, you'll never have a more important decision to make than that one. And I hope that this conversation about how you might get your organization set up will help you when it comes down to the moment that your executive director says, I'm going to leave. Instead of it being something that instills you with absolute sheer unadulterated panic, let's have it be, we knew, we saw it coming, we've had conversations, we have a roadmap, we have a communications plan, we've got this. And when a staff and donors and stakeholders feel like your board has got this, the organization feels settled and confident, and that's another way you set the new person up to succeed. So hope this has been helpful, and I hope to see you next time. Take good care. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you found the conversation valuable as you navigate the messy world of nonprofits. Check out all my other resources at joangary.com. Hope you find them helpful too. Lastly, thank you for the work you do to repair the world in ways large and small. I'll see you next time.